0: All right, shalom and welcome to everyone. This is Thursday night, and we are going to be reading from some extra biblical literature, not your standard 66 canon fare, or as I like to call it, scripture. So, we all know the Christmas story, and the infancy gospel of Yaakov is very different than what we've come to learn and appreciate, and now (laughs) many of us despise, of the American Christmas story. You don't see any romance in this. You don't see uh, Yosef as a young man in love with Mary. It's it's a little bit unjarring from the typical Christian evangelical experience. If anyone saw the, uh, it came out like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I'm not sure how long ago, it's called the Nativity Story, and it shows just that, you know, a young Mary, young Joseph, and they're in love. And that's just not, it's just not there in the infancy gospel of Yaakov, which we'll be reading from tonight. Now, I was always told that this was a Catholic tradition to, you know, keep away from it. Because as we will see here, Yosef is a much older man. And in fact, all of Yahusha's siblings, um, we don't get all their names in this, but we do get Yaakov. Who is James? This book is purportedly written by Yaakov, and they're all older, so that kind of lends to the idea of the Virgin Mary. Um, the book never says whether she remained a virgin or not. I have no reason to believe that she did, but it 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 it, it goes more to what we see with uh, the Catholic tradition now. The irony here is that it's not tradition guys it's a book. You can say it's human tradition but it's actually written in a book and there's there's a there's a point to all of this. Uh I was raised to believe that there were only four gospels. Okay, there were four gospels everybody knew it and everything else is just adding to the canon. You know, keep away from all that stuff. Definitely keep a book uh, keep away from books like the Gospel of Yaco because uh, it wasn't one of the original four. You know, uh, James, uh, Yaakov, he wrote one epistle, and and Kepha, uh, Peter w- wrote two of them, and that's it. They didn't write anything else. That you know, whatever landed in the Bible, that's it. Don't look at, don't look anywhere else. You know, Kefa never wrote a gospel. Thomas never wrote a gospel. Yaakov certainly never wrote a gospel. So these all must be fake. All right, so. I'm going to start tonight by reading from Luke chapter one. Hopefully I can find it in my, um,
1: no, not to interrupt, but, um, someone had mentioned last time that we're going to make a habit of, was that for this meeting, uh, blowing the Shafar and, uh, maybe starting with, um, appealing to Uh the most high. Definitely.
0: Does, uh, Polly, do you have a shofar handy tonight? Yes. Can you... uh, Let me... I'll pray first, and then if you could do the honors of blowing the shofar. All right, so let's pray. Our dearest Heavenly Father, the Most High, Yahuwah, thank you for this gathering of set-apart believers, uh, those who are digging deeper into the truth and uh, seeking out your ancient path, and we pray that we would uh, continually be obedient to your ways, that we would repent of our sins and turn from them, turn from the ways of the world, and that we could be shining light and salt to, to the world, the, the darkness. And uh, we pray that you would continually bring—you uh, would continually wake up your children— uh, the house of Israel. We know that only you can do it, that we cannot do it. All we can do is is be a light on a hill and uh, wait for you to bring us the people. And so thank you for this time, and we pray that um, you would be with us tonight in our conversation and that it would be wholesome and uplifting to you. We pray in the name of your son, Yahushua, Hamashiach. Amen. All right, Polly, blow away. Incredible. I loved it. I felt like I was back in Bible times. All right. So getting back to the gospel of Luke, he starts out his gospel with this very interesting phrase. For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto you in order, most excellent Theophilus. All right, so he says here, many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things. Wait, what? what, what is many? Is he talking about three other gospels? <laughs> is that many or... Are there more than that? And as we will see in tonight's reading, you can, you can totally see how if this was written by the brother of Yahusha, Luke is coming along and he's actually lifting passages from a trusted source and including them in his gospel. All right, let's read one more before we dig into this. This one comes from the Gospel of Johann John, the very last chapter, chapter 21. In 21 verses 24 through 25, he says this, This is the Talmud which testifies of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things which Yahushua Mashiach did, the which, if they should be written, everyone, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the sephers that should be written, Amen. So he's saying here that if every single thing that Yahusha did were recorded, you could not fill all the books in the world. That's a pretty tall order. All right. So just put that in the back of our minds as we read this week from the Infancy Gospel of Yaakov. And I'm hoping in in a week to come, in a week or two, we will also read the Infancy Gospel of Thomas. All right. So. Oh, also, I had a passage from Hebrews, but that's okay. We don't need to go over that tonight. All right. So if everyone looks in the general voice chat, I dropped a link to tonight's reading. You have to scroll up a little bit because people have been dropping in some fun memes. This is the Infancy Gospel of James, or Yaakov, this is on my website, by the way, so anyone listening, you can go to the Unexpected Cosmology and just type in there in the little tiny magnifying glass, the Infancy Gospel of James. It should come right up. It um, I, Every single week, every single Friday, I'm dropping in a new uh, extra-biblical piece of literature, and this is just one of them. Or you could, of course, find this on a PDF online. All right, let's begin. Hopefully everyone is there. Chapter 1, because we've got a lot of ground to cover. It's about 24 chapters, and we should be able to get through it tonight. Chapter 1. In the histories of the 12 tribes of Israel, Joachim was an extremely rich man. He always brought a double offering to Yahuwah, telling himself My offering for all the people is from my surplus, and my own offering to Yahuwah Elohim is for forgiveness, to atone for my sins. Just a reminder for anyone in the chat, if if you want to turn off the microphone just so there's not background noise if you're uh, not going to jump in and talk, anyone who wants to jump in at any time, feel free to do so. Just please turn off your microphones until you jump in. As the great day of Yahuwah was drawing near and the children of Israel were bringing their offerings, however, Rubel stood in his way, saying, You cannot offer your gifts first because you have not conceived a child in Israel. And Joachim became extremely frustrated and went away to the history of the twelve tribes of his people, saying to himself, I will look in the history of the 12 tribes of Israel and see whether I am the only one who has not conceived a child in Israel. That's kind of interesting because it says that, you know, on Torah that uh, the obedient in the land will, will have children. I, now that I think about that, I should have looked up that passage, but it's there. And he searched and found that all the righteous people had raised children in Israel. So there it is. He looks back and he sees that all the people who were obedient to the Most High had children in the land. Of course, we are not in the land. And he remained himself. Uh, he and he reminded himself about the patriarch Abraham and that Yahuwah Elohim gave his son Isaac to him in his last days. Then Joachim was extremely frustrated and did not appear to his wife. So that's not going to help his cause of having a child, is it? But gave himself to the desert and pitched his tent there. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights. How interesting. All the while, Joachim was saying to himself, I will not go down for food or drink until Yahuwah my Elohim visits me. Prayer will be my food and drink. Um, that, that's a pretty cool picture there because he's, uh, you know, today people would turn to science or what have you, but he's basically saying he's 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 pleading to Yahuwah, he's making his case known, and uh, you know, fasting and will he will Yahuwah hear his prayers? I I love that. Chapter two Then his wife Anna mourned and lamented greatly for two reasons, saying, I lament that I am a widow, apparently because Her husband has ditched her, and he's living in the desert in a tent. And I lament that I am childless. When the great day of Yahuwah was drawing near, her servant Juthin, or I guess Yuthin, said to her, How long are you going to humble yourself? Do you not see that the great day of Yahuwah is approaching? You are not allowed to mourn. Take this headband, which the leader of the activity gave me. I am not allowed to tie it because I am your slave, and it has a royal mark. Then Anna said, Get away from me. I did not cause these things, even though Yahuwah Elohim has humbled me greatly. Perhaps a crafty person has given this to you, and you have come to cause me to partake of your sin. And her servant Juthine said, Should I invoke a curse on you because you did not hear my voice? Yahuwah Elohim has shut your womb, and he will not give you offspring in Israel. So Anna also became extremely frustrated and removed her mourning garment, washed her head, and clothed herself with her wedding dress. Around the ninth hour, she went down to her garden to walk around. She saw a laurel tree and sat down under it. And after a rest, she petitioned Yahuwah, saying, Elohim of my ancestors, bless me and hear my prayer, just as you blessed her mother Sarah and gave her son Isaac to her. It's, kind of fun little note here that her husband, he looks back in history and he's looking at Abraham and then she looks back through history and she's looking at Sarah. Just kind of a male and female perspective there. And Anna looked up to the heavens and saw a nest of sparrows in the laurel tree. Immediately, Anna cried out mournfully, saying to herself, Oh me, who gave birth to me? What womb caused me to grow? For I was born cursed in front of the children of Israel. I am reviled, and they treat me with contempt, and cast me out of the temple of Yahuwah my Elohim. O me, what am I like? I am not like the birds of the sky, for the birds of the sky are fruitful before you, Yahuwah. O me, what am I like? I am not like domestic animals, for the domestic animals are fruitful before you, Yahuwah. Oh me, what am I like? I am not like the wild animals of the earth, for the wild animals of the earth are fruitful before you, Yahuwah. Oh me, what am I like? I am not like these waters, for these waters are fruitful before you, Yahuwah. Oh me, what am I like? I am not like this earth, for the earth produces its fruit in season and blesses you, Yahuwah. All right, I have to say here that a lot of people don't know this that my wife and I now will be celebrating our 20th Anniversary next March in uh, 2022, but we went years and years and years, well over a decade, without having any children. Uh, testimony to that fact is that we have twin boys that are seven years old, and uh, people our age are grandparents. So <laughs> we we went through this exact same thing that Anna and her husband were going through, where. We were watching, we were in Southern California, we were trying for children for several years, and nothing was working. It was becoming miserable. And everyone around us was having kids. And it was like, our friends were like, they didn't even want kids. They were like, oh, why did I have a kid? Oh, no, no, I had my second kid. Oh, man, now I have a third kid. This is terrible, you know? And it's just like, <laughs> it was just like, come on, guys! Like this is, anyways. It seems like nobody who wanted kids was having them, and then, anyways, we really wanted them and weren't getting them. And it, it if th- we have these same observations, we're looking around and seeing, you know, the dogs on the street are having kids, and the frogs are having kids, and the birds are having kids, and the weather works and the earth works, but we're like the only thing that doesn't work. So I can te- definitely, and you really feel like, um, you know, Yahua has. Abandoned you. And in Israel, it would have been worse because they're looking at the Torah and it says that you will have kids. And so you could see where everyone's tossing them out of the temple. Like, you can't come in here. You must be a sinner. You're doing something wrong if you don't have any children. So you could see their frustration. Chapter four, suddenly an angel of Yahuwah stood in front of her saying, Anna, Anna, Yahuwah Elihim has heard your prayer. You will conceive and give birth, and your child will be spoken of everywhere people live. And Anna said, As Yahuwah Elohim lives, whether I give birth to either a male or a female child, I will bring it as an offering to Yahuwah my Elohim, and it will be a servant to him all the days of its life. This reminds me right here of, um, of Samuel's mother. She made the same promise. Next, two angels came, saying to her, Look, your husband Joachim is coming with his flocks. Finally, he's returning from the desert. Ugh, get this guy in there. Get a, get a kid going. For an angel of Yahuwah had gone down to Joachim, saying, Joachim, Joachim, Yahuwah Elohim has heard your prayer. Go down from here. Look, your wife, Anna, has conceived in her womb. Immediately, Joachim went down and called the shepherds, telling them, Bring ten lambs without spot or blemish here to me. The ten lambs will be for Yahuwah Elohim. Bring twelve tender calves. The the twelve calves will be for the priest and the elders. And bring one hundred male goats. The one hundred male goats will be for all the people. This guy's sounding like he's got a lot of money because that's, I don't know how many of you guys have 10 lambs to spare or 12 calves, let alone 100 male goats. That's yeah,
2: to- and he's getting ready to celebrate from that news.
0: <laughs> and I have to stress here because I had said that he was off in the but desert, that- but apparently there was a little bit of a time jump here because he's back with his flocks and he was clearly back uh, trying for a child again with his wife. Um, this is not stating that she has had a virgin birth here. Then Joachim came with his flocks. Anna was standing at the gate. When she saw Joachim coming with his flocks, Anna ran and wrapped herself around his neck, saying, Now I know that Yahuwah Elohim has blessed me greatly. See, the widow, the widow is no longer a widow and that childless woman has conceived in her womb. And Joachim rested for the first day he was home. I remember the moment, uh, it was a little bit reversed with me, that I actually got to tell my wife she was pregnant uh, with twins. It doesn't usually work out that way, but I, I had gotten knowledge of it before she did. The next day, when he was presenting his offerings, he said to himself, If Yahuwah Elohim will be reconciled to me, he will make it clear to me with the priest's metal disc. And Joachim presented his offerings and paid attention to the priest's metal disc until he went up to the altar of Yahuwah, and he saw no sin in it. Joachim said, Now I know that Yahuwah Elohim has been reconciled to me and has sent all my great sins away for me. And having been justified, he departed from the temple and went to his house. And his wife's pregnancy came to term after nine months Anna gave birth and she said to the midwife what is it the midwife said a girl Anna said my soul exalts this day and she put her baby to bed after her days were completed Anna cleansed her menstrual flow and gave her breast to the child and gave her the name Miriam day by day the child grew stronger when she was six months old, her mother set her on the ground to test whether she could stand. And after walking seven steps, she came to her mother's breast. And her mother picked her up, saying, As Yahuwah my Elohim lives, you will not walk on this earth again until I take you to the temple of Yahuwah. And she made a sanctuary in her bedroom and would not permit anything common or impure to pass through it. And she called the pure daughters of the Hebrews and they played with her. When the child's first birthday came, Joachim held a great celebration. He invited the high priest and the priest and the Sanhedrin and the whole nation of Israel. And Joachim brought the child to the priest and they blessed her, saying, Elohim of our ancestors, bless this child and give her name eternal fame among all generations. And all the people said, Let it happen. Amen. And he brought the child to the high priest and they blessed her, saying, Exalted Elohim, look upon this child and give her a final blessing, which will not be succeeded. And her mother took her up to the bedroom sanctuary and gave her breast to the child. And Anna composed a song for Yahuwah Elohim, saying, I will sing a holy song to Yahuwah my Elohim, because he has examined me and removed my horrible disgrace from me. And Yahuwah Elohim gave me the fruit of his righteousness, of one nature, but manifold before him. Who will, who will proclaim to the sons of Rubel that Anna nurses a child? Do you hear? Hear this, 12 tribes of Israel. Anna nurses a child. So she's still ecstatic. You know, it's still on that, she's still on that adrenaline rush of all those years being without a child. And she gave the child rest in the bedroom sanctuary and went out and served them. When dinner was completed, they departed feeling good and glorified the Elohim of Israel just interesting to note here that, um, that all the, the elders, the Sanhedrin, the, the priest, the high priest, they all seem to agree that this woman uh, would be known, a name among all generations. And they said, let it happen. Um, so kind of interesting. Uh, chapter 7. She cared for the child for months. When the child returned two years old. Joachim said, let's take her to the temple of Yahuwah so we can relate the message we were given. And Anna said, let's wait until the third year so that she will not seek her father or mother. And Joachim said, let's wait. When the child turned three, Joachim said, let's call the pure women of the Hebrews. Let them take up lamps and light them so that the child will not turn back and her heart will never be led away from the temple of Yahuwah. And they did these things until they went up to the temple of Yahuwah. And the priest welcomed her. Kissing her, he blessed her and said, Yahuwah Elohim has magnified your name for all generations. Through you, Yahuwah will reveal deliverance to the children of Israel in the last days. That's a a pretty big prophecy right there. And he set her down on the third step of the altar, and Yahuwah Elohim poured grace upon her. She danced triumphantly with her drinks, and every house in Israel loved her. Chapter 8 And her parents went down marveling at and praising and glorifying Yahuwah Elohim because the child had not turned back to look at them. While Miriam was in the temple of Yahuwah, she was fed like a dove and received food from the hand of an angel. Now, that's going to, you know, give some people reason to pause, like, wait a second here. But the more I read about the temple and the, the Shekinah glory that was in this temple, and, and the mere facts that, you know, when you're reading in Exodus, I think it's, is it in Exodus or Leviticus, uh, Nadab and Abihu, and the strange fire that they presented, that you're actually supposed to bring this this offering uh, to the temple, and Yahuwah is supposed to light the fire for you. Like this was a a, a supernatural place, and it, you know, as we come to see, the, the incredible thing is that even though Yahuwah's presence was manifested in this temple, and there were, I think, there were just supernatural, miraculous things all the time. It would make total sense to me that she would be fed by an angel. It doesn't really matter, because in the end, as Yahusha said, if they don't believe Moses, they're not going to believe him. And, um, you know, that's just the tragic nature, that it doesn't matter if someone is in the presence of the Most High or not. That's not going to cause them to necessarily believe. When she turned 12, a group of priests took counsel together, saying, now, why would they be concerned that she's turning 12. That the, the key phrase there is what we would call today puberty. And they can't have an unclean woman in the temple. Yep. Look, Miriam has been in the temple of Yahuwah 12 years. What should we do about her now? So that she does not defile yeah. a sanctuary of Yahuwah or Elohim. And they, So, of course, if she had menstrual blood, then that would obviously defile it. So they need to find, they need, she's becoming a woman now and they need to find uh, something to do. And they said to the high priest, you have stood at the altar of Yahuwah, go in and pray about her. And if Yahuwah Elohim reveals anything to you, we will do it. And the high priest went in taking the vestments with 12 bells into the Holy of Holies and prayed about her. That's kind of a nice little touch there that, you know, he's, he's. Taking in all these bills because, you know, if he falls over dead, you know, they're not going to hear the bells anymore and they can drag him out. Suddenly, an angel of Yahuwah stood before him saying, Zechariah, Zechariah, depart from here and gather the widowers of the people and let each one carry a staff. And the one whom Yahuwah Elohim points out with a sign, she will be his wife. So we've just been introduced to a new character here, Zechariah. So the heralds went out to the whole surrounding area of Judea and the trumpet of Yahuwah rang out and all the men rushed in. in. I, <laughs> I find that picture like uh kind of funny. It's almost like it's almost like a reversal of the, the parable of the, the wise and foolish virgins, like the car goes out and all the guys are like, What, what, what? And they're like rushing in, like, you know, they 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 want this bride for themselves. It's kind of funny. And then and then we're introduced to Yosef right here And the the first line is throwing down his axe. So he's a he's a manly man here. Throwing down his axe, Yosef went out to meet them. And after they had gathered together with their rods, they went to the high priest. After receiving everyone's rod, the high priest went into the temple and prayed. When he was finished with the prayer, he took the rods and went out and gave them to each man, but there was no sign among them. Finally, Yosef took his rod. Suddenly, a dove came out of the rod and stood on Yosef's head. And the high priest said, Yosef, Yosef, you have been chosen by Lot to take the virgin into your own keeping. And Yosef replied saying, I I love this reply. I have sons and I'm old while she is young. I am not uh, I will not be ridiculed among the children of Israel. I mean, he's, he's basically saying, like, what am I going to do with her? I'm an old guy. Like, I, I'm not interested in young girls. And the high priest said, Yosef, fear Yahuwah your Elohim and remember what Elohim did to Dathan and Abaron and, and uh, Korah. Uh, I guess uh, Korah's rebellion here. How the earth split open and swallowed them because of their rebellion. Now fear Elohim. Yosef, so that these things do not happen in your house. Fearing Elohim, Yosef took her into his own possession. And he said to her, Miriam, I took you from the temple of Yahuwah, and now I bring you into my house. I am going out to build houses, but I will come back to you. Yahuwah will protect you. Chapter 10. Meanwhile, the priests were meeting together, saying, Let us make a curtain for the temple of Yahuwah. And the high priest said, Call the pure virgins from the tribe of David to me. And the servants went out and sought and found seven virgins. And the high priest remembered that the child Miriam was from the tribe of David and was pure before Elohim. So the servants went out and got her. And they brought the woman into the temple of Yahuwah. And the high priest said, Cast lots to see who will spin the gold and the pure and the linen and the silk and the violet and the scarlet and the true purple threads. And Miriam was appointed by lot to the, to The true purple and scarlet threads, and taking them, she went to her house. This was, this was at the same time Zechariah fell silent, and Samuel replaced them until Zechariah could speak again. Miriam was spitting the scarlet thread which she had taken, and she took the cup and went out to fill it with water. Suddenly, a voice said to her, Rejoice, Blessed One, Yahuwah is with you, you are blessed among women. And Miriam looked around to the right and to the left to see where this voice came from and trembling she went into her house, setting down the cup she took the purple thread and sat down on the chair and spun it uh, I have to add here that the the purple thread is is really interesting especially since we were talking about the purple tassels and um I, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that Michael Rob anybody but jump in because um, we were discussing the the different colors. Suddenly, an angel stood before her, saying, Do not be afraid, Miriam. You have found grace before Yahuwah of all. You will conceive from His word. Upon hearing this, however, Miriam was distraught, saying to herself, If I conceive from Yahuwah Elohim who lives, will I also conceive as all women conceive? That's a good question to ask. If an angel came and said, uh, you know, You're going to have a child with Elohim. I understand her concern. And the angel of Yahuwah said, Not like that, Miriam, for the power of Elohim will come over you. Thus, the Holy One who is born will be called Son of the Most High, and you will call his name Yahusha, for he will save his people from their sins. And Miriam said, See, I am the servant of Yahuwah before him. Let it happen to me according to what you say. And she made the purple and the scarlet thread and carried it to the high priest. And taking it, the high priest blessed her and said, Miriam, Elohim has magnified your name. You will be called blessed among all the generations of the earth. Then Miriam went gladly to her cousin, uh, Elizabeth, here uh, in Elisheva. And she knocked at the door, and when Elizabeth heard, she threw down her scarlet thread and ran to the door and opened it for her. And she blessed her and said, Where have you come to me from? Why should the mother of my Adonai come to me? See how the child in me leaps and blesses you? But Miriam had forgotten the mysteries which the angel Gabriel had told her. And looking into heaven, she said, Who am I, Adonai, that all the generations of the earth will bless me? She spent three months with Elizabeth. Day after so Joseph has gone a long time building houses because now she's he's gone, she goes and visits Elizabeth for three months. Day after day, her womb swelled, and she was afraid to go to her house and hid herself from the children of Israel. Marian was sixteen years old when these mysterious things happened to her. So that kind of answers the question right there, right? Everyone wonders how old she was, and it it says sixteen years old. Chapter 13. In the sixth month of her pregnancy, um, uh, now, there was actually a big a lot of time goes by here because um if if she was going on twelve when they were casting lots, they had to get her out of the temple because they you know for obvious reasons they didn't want the uncleanliness um so I'm assuming that she would have been living with Joseph engaged, not married yet for four years if. This translation is correct because we go from 12 to 16. So uh, clearly uh, Yosef is not that interested in, you know, it, it really is like kind of an obligation for him. He's like, fine, I'll take her in, I'll take care of her, but I'm really not interested in having another wife. In the sixth month of her pregnancy, Yosef came from his house building and went into the house to find her swelling. This is great, guys. This this is one of those moments that made me like almost like fall out of my chair. And for the record, I've never actually fallen out of my chair, but it's, you know, metaphorically I did here. And he struck his face and threw himself on the ground in sackcloth and wept bitterly. How can I look to Yahuwah Elohim? What will I pray about her? For I took her as a virgin from the temple of Yahuwah and did not guard her? So... He's blaming himself here, right? He's responsible for this. Who has set this trap for me? Who did this evil in my house? Who stole the virgin from me and defiled her? Has not the story of Adam been repeated with me? For while Adam was glorifying Elohim, the serpent came and found Eve alone and deceived her and defiled her. So it has also happened to me. All right, so right here we're seeing... A Clear-cut, night and day definition of serpent seed. I mean, he's basically saying, "Oh my goodness, what happened to Adam? Adam was on his side of paradise. He wasn't paying attention. Eve was left alone, and you know, Satan came and slept with her and produced a seed. And this is now repeating. Someone was going to say something.
1: Yeah, uh, this is to- this is so odd. Au- uh, sorry, this just hit me." This is. I think this is so freaking awesome because he's literally saying, oh my gosh, the same thing that happened to Adam happened to me, but it's literally the exact opposite of what happened to Adam is happening to him, where instead of the serpent having a seed, it's Yahuwah having a seed. It's, I don't know, I just thought it was super cool, just the, the juxtaposition, and it lays it out so clearly. It's like, oh my gosh, this is so evil, and then you can tell that at some point in the near future, he's going to find out, and he's going to be like, no, this is actually the exact opposite. This is the polar opposite of what I'm expecting. Um, So I just wanted to add that.
0: Well, yeah, and it's, it's a great mirror to the Genesis story, because when it happens the first time, and we have read in here from the Targum, where it straight out says that Eve or Hava desired the angel, and that Cain came out not looking like Adam. Uh, You know, like where Yahusha says, to see me is to see the father. That's basically a a father-son statement, right? He has the physical appearance of his father. Just like Abel and Seth, it said, looked like Adam. Adam looked at Seth and uh, he looked at Abel and and Abel looked like him. To see Abel was to see Adam, but to see Cain was to see Satan. And when that happened, there was, of course, the prophecy of the Son of Man, right? And boom, so here we have, just like you said, like a mirror reversal image. And Yosef got up from his sackcloth and called her and said to her, After having been cared for by Elohim, what have you done? Did you forget Yahuwah your Elohim? You who were raised in the Holy of Holies, you who received from the hand of an angel... Do you know how much you have humiliated yourself? Now, according to Torah, if um, if Miriam truly was raped, uh, we see um, in the book of Susanna where a case where Susanna is being raped by these two priests or holy men or elders of the community, and she cries out. Torah says, "Look, just cry out, like cry for help," and so. If Miriam really was uh, taken advantage of, uh, she should have made it known, and she didn't. So, either way, it's not looking good for, Mary at this, uh, for Miriam at this point. Then she wept bitterly, saying, I am pure, and I did not know a man. And Yosef said to her, Where did this thing in your womb come from then? <laughs> Such sarcasm. But she said, As Yahuwah my Elohim lives, I do not know where it came from. Chapter fourteen. Oh, by the, the by, the way, we, we see it again. Uh, we see another mirrored story to this. If you guys recall, I'm trying to remember. I think oh, it was in my my thing I did on the, the once in future Jerusalem and the first Michel Zedek, and we see the exact same story where Noah's brother, his name is Nahor, comes in. He sees his wife pregnant. He hadn't seen her in about a year, and he's like. How did that baby get in your womb? And she gives like the same response, like, I don't know. I just started getting bigger every day. I I, I really don't know. I mean how many guys would, you know, believe they're, you know, they woman if they said that right. So then oh, chapter fourteen. Then Yosef was extremely frightened and kept quiet about her, pondering what he should do. And Yosef said to himself, If I hide her sin, I would be rebelling against the, the law of Yahuwah. Now remember, it was contrasted originally that the only reason he took her uh, was to not be a part of Korah's rebellion because the Sanhedrin um, they're basically sitting in the seat of Moses per se of Moshe and they're saying, "Look, you you we have judged, you have to do this." So now he's in this predicament of, "Man, I did what they said, and now I'm trying to take care of her, but you know what what's the right thing to do here?" And if I expose her to the children of Israel, well, I am afraid that the child in her might be angelic, and I will be betraying innocent blood to a judgment of death. Good thinking, Yosef. What then will I do about her? I will send her away from me secretly. And night overtook him, and suddenly an angel of Yahuwah appeared to him in a dream, saying, Do not fear this child, for the child in her is from the Ruach HaKodesh. She will bear a son for you, and you will call his name Yehusha, or Yahushua if you prefer. For he will save his people from their sins. And Yosef arose from his sleep and glorified the Elohim of Israel, who had given grace to him, and he guarded the child. Chapter 15 Then Annas the scribe came to him and said to him, Yosef, why have you not appeared to our traveling group? And he said to him, because I was worn out from the trip and rested my day, my first day back. I guess that may not be a total lie, since he could have really truly been worn out. He is an old man. And Annas turned and saw Miriam pregnant. Uh Uh-oh. And he ran off at top speed to the high priest. And he said to him, look at Yosef, the one you bear witness for. He has broken the law badly. And the high priest said, what is this? And he said, the virgin which Yosef received from the temple of Yahuwah, she's not a virgin anymore. Uh, it says, he defiled her and has stolen her wedding festivities and has not revealed it to the children of Israel. So I- I'm a guessing here that the the wedding festivities, uh, what, um, I don't know if, if these are uh, like, Marriage rights, but i I'm taking this, and correct me if I'm wrong. what he's saying there is that you know um you know brides nowadays I was just talking to my wife about this the other day. every bride magically becomes a virgin on her wedding day. she has a a a white gown um and I don't mean to be cruel, I'm not trying to be cruel, but back then they would have uh like a, every woman would receive a white sheet. And the, the husband, the groom, would take that white sheet uh, in with the bride, and he would hand that over to the bride's parents afterwards, and it had better uh, have blood on it uh, as kind of a token um, of the fact that they delivered a virgin. And so, correct me if I'm wrong, because what I'm reading is like, he basically defiled her and he didn't hand over the goods. I don't know. You guys tell me.
2: Yeah, I'm reading that as the she didn't get to participate in the wedding festivities and he went ahead and had you know had yeah. a child with her. So he just, you know, uh uh denied her of that basically.
0: Now, I I was thinking about this passage a lot because there there there's nothing in the law uh in Torah about mm-hmm. wedding festivities. And in fact, um, my favorite wedding story comes from uh, when Abraham has Eliezer go back to to Ur to Babylon and find a bride from his brother, and he brings back Rebecca. And of course, you know, she agrees to it. She's she's riding on the camel, she sees Isaac from afar, she veils herself, she slips off, and basically it was like the two of them agreed, they went straight into the tent. And they were a married couple, and you don't see wedding festivities. Or you see wedding festivities with so Samson, and I'm trying to remember like the earliest. You see that might be it, um, and uh, so I think it's just interesting that there's nothing officially in Torah about how to go about a wedding. Um, but here they're saying that they have stolen whatever that is from her. Could, that, right. could that potentially be?
1: Because um, I mean, like one. Uh, me, I'm like, who's this Annus dude, and why is he such a tattletale? That's just me thinking that. Um, And number two is, I wonder if that is part of the oral Torah that Yahusha attacks later on in his life. Like, this is maybe a representation of, like, this whole concept and idea is is, like, being brought forth now. Uh, Just as an idea, well, look, look at kind of where everybody's heads are at. They're all all about this oral Torah and this new, these new laws that they want to put into place. And this guy's running off at freaking top speed, you know, being a tattletale. Uh, No one likes a tattletale, you know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it could be because the the Pharisees were definitely coming into force at that time. The Sanhedrin were still in control. Um, And it was definitely being heavily developed by the before Yehusha was born. So yeah, that could very well be. I'd have to look more at it, guys. I don't know. I don't know. Alright, and he said to him, Has Yosef done these things? And he said to him, Send a servant and he will find the virgin pregnant. <laughs> and in this kind you guys, this like changes like the whole way you look at like Miriam was known by all the priests like, she was in the temple. They raised this girl. And so, these, some of these priests would have still been alive when Yahusha is a grown man. And, you know, they're, 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 you see like in the Gospels where they're basically all the whispers of, you know, what Miriam did and all this kind of stuff. And the servants went and found her, just as he said, and they led her with Yosef to the law court to the, to the uh, Sanhedrin's there. And the high priest said to her, Miriam, what is this? How have you humiliated yourself? Did you forget Yahuwah your Elohim? You were raised in the Holy of Holies and received from the hand of an angel. You who heard their songs and danced before them. What is this? That has pretty cool to uh, hear the song of an angel. I can't say that I've ever um, experienced that. And she wept bitterly, saying, As Yahuwah Elohim lives, I am pure before him, and I did not know a man. And the high priest said, Yosef, what is this? But Yosef said, As Yahuwah lives, I am pure from her. And the high priest said, Do not lie, but speak the truth. You stole your wedding festivities and did not reveal it to the children of Israel. And you did not bow your head before the mighty hand that it should bless your seed. And Yosef was silent. I'm actually really surprised that Yosef is being accused here because he was off this whole time working. So truly his uh, his boss, his manager, whoever this, you know, Anis guy is, um, could at least test attest to that. Like, yeah, like I can um, I can give him an alibi. You would think they would be going more after uh, Miriam at this point, but maybe it's because he's covering for her and they see that as highly suspicious. Like, why would he cover for her? And the high priest said, return the virgin which you took from the temple of Yahuwah. And Yosef, becoming uh, tearful, and the high priest said, so it looks like there's a little bit missing there from the text. And the high priest said, I will give you the water of Yahuwah's wrath to drink, and it will make your sin clear in your eyes. Guys, where do do we see this before? This is not tradition. This comes from Torah. And this is the I'm assuming this is the jealousy uh, drink that is given to women that are um, uh, accused of committing adultery. But here they're actually, interestingly enough, they're giving it to Yosef too. They're giving it, usually according to Torah, it's like a guy, a husband suspects his wife. Brings her in and you know her like her thighs will swell and all this kind of stuff if she is truly guilty. But here they're like, okay, we're giving it to both of you because I we think you're both guilty here. You guys know something you're not you're not talking. And and taking the water, the high priest gave it to Yosef to drink and sent him out into the desert. And he returned unharmed. I don't know why they would do that, because you're supposed to see like the belly and everything swell there. Um I don't know if anyone has any thought on that. They expected him. It's almost like the Azazel uh, goat or something like that, what you see happening here. They send him out, and I guess they expect him to die or something out there. Yeah, and I he returned, uh, Go ahead.
2: I think they send them out because if they did commit some sin, it, it, it will sh- uh, manifest itself outside for everyone to see. Perhaps that's ah.
0: why. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. And he returned unharmed. And he made the young girl drink also, and she and sent her out into the desert. And she came back unharmed. And all the people were astonished that their sins were not revealed. Now notice here that it says that they're astonished, which means that, it, I, again, we're in a post-Newtonian scientific age, and this isn't supposed to work. But back then, when, when the Shekinah glory of Yahuwah was filling this temple, uh, it worked. And people would have seen it work, and so they're actually astonished that it didn't work. Uh, I guess today, in today's age, people would be astonished if it did work, but here the opposite was true. And the high priest said, if Yahuwah Elohim has not revealed your sins, I will not judge you either. And he released them. So here they're acquitted. So from this point forward, they should no longer be slandering Miriam. And accusing her of, of dirty, de- dirty deeds, uh, which obviously is not what happens. You know, the, the gossip lives on well into his adulthood. But Yahuwah has acquitted them, and therefore it should be case, case closed. And Yosef, and Yosef took Miriam and went away to his house, rejoicing and praising the Elohim of Israel. Chapter 17. Then there was an order from the Emperor Augustus to register how many people were in Bethlehem of Judea. And Yosef said, I will register my sons. But this child, notice he says here sons. So, uh, and that's plural and that does not include the unborn Yahusha yet. So, we know Yaakov is one son and then Yehuda is another son. So, that's two. And then... uh, I know there's a couple more, but I can't think of them at the moment. And my wife? Oh, I am ashamed. Should I register her as my daughter? The children of Israel know that she is not my daughter. This day I will do as Yahuwah wants. And he saddled his donkey and sat her on it. And his son led and Samuel followed. I don't know who Samuel is. Does anyone know who Samuel is? Oh, no, that's the... um We saw him earlier. That was the, uh, was that the slave? No. (sighs) Whatever. We saw him earlier in this. But anyways, uh, so now all of a sudden, Yaakov kind of seems to enter into the story. He was never really present before this, but now he's here telling the story. And they arrived at the third mile and Yosef turned and saw that she was sad. And he said to himself, perhaps the child within her is troubling her. And again, Yosef turned around and saw her laughing and said to her, Miriam, what is with you? First your face appears happy and then sad. And she said, Yosef, it is because I see two people with my eyes, one crying and being afflicted, one rejoicing and being extremely happy. When they came to the middle of the journey, Miriam said to him, Yosef, take me off the donkey, the child pushing from within me to let him come out. So uh any mothers listening to this you hopefully will identify with this uh she's like she's feeling like she's going into labor but um it doesn't always quite happen like that you know it, you feel like okay it's the child's coming and then boom hours go by and why hasn't the child come out yet? but here she is on the donkey she's like okay th- this kid's coming out right now get me out get me off this thing so he took her off the donkey and said to her Where will I take you and shelter you in your awkwardness? This area is a desert. And he found a cave and litter there and stationed his sons to watch her. While he went to find a Hebrew midwife in the land of Bethlehem. And if you've ever been there to Bethlehem, that place is littered with caves everywhere. And that's one of the reasons it was a shepherd's haven, because they could take the sheep into the caves uh, and keep them warm in there and protected from... Uh, thieves, robbers, so on and so forth then Yosef wandered, or wandered, but he did not wander and I read this over a few times and right here it gets a little bit confusing as to Yosef and Yaakov and what's happening Um, so just bear with me here Uh, and because I think right here it's talking, it's Yaakov now narrating the story but I could be wrong and I looked up to the peak of the sky and saw it standing still, and I looked up into the air. What utter astonishment I saw it, or with utter astonishment I saw it. Even the birds of the sky were not moving. And I looked at the ground and saw a bowl lying there and workers reclining, and their hands were in the bowl, and chewing they were not chewing, and picking food up they were not picking it up, and putting food in their mouths they were not putting it in their mouths. Rather, all their faces were looking up. And I saw sheep being driven, but the sheep were standing still. And the shepherd lifted up his hand to strike them, but his hand remained above them. And I saw the rushing current of the river, and I saw goats in their mouths resting in the water, but they were not drinking. And suddenly everything was replaced by the Ordinary course of events. All right, now this right here, this paragraph that we just read, it, it looks like something out of the Matrix. Like if you had like a, a, a one of those cameras turning around, and then it just like pauses, and everything is frozen in time, and and people, this is one of the biggest reasons why this book is criticized by scholars and other people. They're like, oh, don't pay any attention to this book. This is so unbelievable. But uh, as my friend Adam Fink would would say, <laughs> but I'm here to tell you that. This is this makes it way more believable for me. I had this is like it's almost like that scene in Saving Private Ryan. You know when Tom Hanks he goes up on the beach uh, at Normandy and he's looking around and everything's in really slow motion and he's kind of like he's outside of time and he's just seeing these things progress and then it speeds up really quickly. Well, the same thing happened here. Well, the same exact I had the exact same experience when my twin sons were born. And I remember it, it. It was kind of like being in shock, I guess. You know, it, it's a very uh, clearly Yaakov. I mean, he's a he's a young man. He's a, a we don't know how old he's. Maybe he's a boy. He's old enough that it appears like Joseph. Uh, he's he he's left his son now to go find a midwife, and and Yaakov's like, what am I supposed to do with your wife, uh, father? Um, she's maybe she was his age for all we know. It's a really awkward moment to, you know, he's got to get his hands down there and his face down there to catch his baby if it comes out. And he's in shock. I, I had the-, the same experience and I remember I actually, I delivered both of my sons. I reached in there, I grabbed their heads, I pulled them out, and um, and I'm I basically, I handed I, I quickly handed my first son to the, the midwife there. We had a home birth in our own bed. And I handed my son off, they kind of cleaned him up, and then my wife had to get ready to have her second child, and they handed me him. And I remember um I remember looking around at the room and everything was just like this really super slow. Like I was conscious of everything that was happening, spatial depth. Um and I was like, "Why is everyone moving so slow?" And I remember the the midwife handed me my first son Eric. And she put him in my arms, and I said, I remember saying, I don't know how to hold a baby. And, you know, I had never held a baby before. And what's incredible about being a parent, so Yaakov is, and probably Yosef, Yosef has been through this before, but Yaakov's is like, what in the world? And, and what's amazing about being a parent, and hopefully everyone here who is a parent can identify with this, There's something like a natural light switch that it just boom it just it just clicks on, and I remember I you know as soon as he was in my arms and I'm holding him I'm like I can do this like I I I know how to do this but in that moment I remember saying that so that was my experience and when I read this I I identified with the same thing and the very fact that he's writing this again gives the credibility to me. Like, who would write something like this? Why would you write this? This sounds like a first-person experience to me.
2: Yeah, no. Uh, now, go ahead. Now it makes sense to me in uh, verse 3 when it said, then jo- then Joseph wandered, but he did not wander. and then ah. after, Yeah, then after you read this, and it's like, ah, that's what that means. <laughs> yeah.
0: I didn't catch that because, yeah, absolutely, thank you for pointing that out. Sure. All right. Chapter 19, and I saw a woman coming down from the mountain, and she said to me, man, where are you going? And I said, I am seeking a Hebrew midwife. So this, this is where it gets a little, like the verb confusion or the, the uh, because now it seems like it's, it's Yosef uh, talking, but maybe, maybe, um, maybe he is now with his, maybe he left with his father. Uh, to go find a midwife. Maybe they left Mary Malone. I'm not quite sure what happened here. So repeating this again, because we see it's I, so Yaakov is writing this, but we see Yosef a little bit further down. So, and I saw a woman coming down from the mountain and she said to me, man, where are you going? And I said, I am seeking a Hebrew midwife. So is Yosef talking here or Yaakov? I'm not sure. Replying, she said to me, are you from Israel? And I said to her, yes. Then she said, and who is giving birth in the cave? And I said, "The one who has pledged to be married to me." Okay, so now I guess it's it's Yaakov uh, speaking. So that's so, that's the
1: so, maybe. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but maybe it's possible that, um, like when when it says, "Then Yosef wandered, but did not wander," that's the beginning of like this whole this whole like scene, because he's the first one of these people who is doing something but not doing something. And then it starts. Everything else is doing something, but not doing something. And then, and then, and so he doesn't actually wander anywhere. He he goes to start to kind of wander off, and doesn't because a woman comes down from the mountain almost immediately, almost like she resets the scene and it starts moving again. Uh, when she when she just shows up, she's like a, they call it a godsend, but like she's like literally a gift from Yahuwah before he had a chance to go wander off and search for a
0: midwife in the middle of nowhere. Uh, that's how I read it, at least. See, this is why you guys are here. That's that's, that's perfect. perfect. That's That makes total sense. Uh, okay, and she said to me, she is not your wife? And I said to her, she is Maryam, the one who was raised in the temple. I won her by lotto uh, to be my wife. A very romantic of you there, uh, Yosef. She is not yet my wife, but has a fetus from the Ruach HaKodesh. And the midwife said, Really? <laughs> and Yosef said to her, Come and see. So the midwife went with him, and they stood near the cave, and a dark cloud was hovering over the cave. And the midwife said, My soul glory uh, glorifies this day, for today my eyes have seen a miracle salvation has come to Israel. And by salvation there, she's saying Yeshua, Yahusha, Yahusha has come to Israel. And immediately the cloud withdrew from the cave and a great light appeared in the cave so that their eyes could not bear it. Now, we we see this again, you know, people are going to be like, oh, that's unbelievable. But it's like, well, if you start reading these uh, extra biblical literature, like uh, the book of Noah that is at the end of... Enoch, the writings of Abraham, uh, second Enoch with the uh the birth of the first michelizedek oh actually no, the first michelizedek doesn't glow but but Noah when he was born, that guy was glowing and it, like his eyes were aflame, and the the whole household couldn't bear it. it was like he was lit up like the sun so uh again, this is not out of the realm of what we've seen in other books. And immediately the cloud withdrew from the cave, and a great light appeared in the cave so that their eyes could not bear it. And a little while later, that same light withdrew until an infant appeared. And he came and took the breast of his mother, Miriam. And the midwife cried out and said, How great this day is for me, for I have seen this new miracle. And the midwife departed from the cave and met Salome and said to her, Salome, Salome, I have described... I- Um, I have to describe this new miracle for you. A virgin has given birth, although her body does not allow it. And Salami said, As Yahuwah my Elohim lives, unless I insert my finger and investigate her, I will make believe that a virgin has given birth. Chapter 20. And the midwife went in and said, Miriam, position yourself, for not a small test concerning you is about to take place. When Miriam heard these things, she positioned herself. And Salome inserted her finger into her body. And Salome cried out and said, Woe for my lawlessness and the unbelief that made me test the living Elohim. Look, my hand is falling away from me and being consumed in fire. And Salome dropped to her knees before Yahuwah, saying, Elohim of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, do not expose me to the children of Israel, but give me back to the poor. For you know, Adonai, that I have performed service and received my wage from you. Suddenly an angel of Yahuwah appeared, saying to her, Salame, Salame, Yahuwah of all has heard your entreaty. Stretch out your hand to the child and lift him up, and he will be salvation and joy for you. And Salame went to the child and lifted him up, saying, I worship him because he has been born a king to Israel. And at once Salame was healed and left the cave justified. Suddenly there was a voice saying, Salami, Salami, do not proclaim what a miracle you have seen until the child comes to Jerusalem." Chapter 21. Now Yosef was about to depart to Judea when there, uh, when there was a great commotion in Bethlehem of Judea. For astrologers had come, saying, Where is the one who has been born king of the Yehudim? For we saw his star in the east and came to worship him. So, um, there could be a time lapse here, again, of a couple years. Everyone says that there is, but it kind of seems like this, from what we're reading here, it doesn't really seem like there's a big time lapse. Like they kind of just appeared right around the time he was born. And when Herod heard, he was shaken up and sent servants to the astrologers. And it's interesting here, it, it calls them astrologers too. It doesn't say, you know, wise men. And he also sent for the high priests and questioned them in his place, in his palace, saying to them, What has been written about the Mashiach? Where will he be born? They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written, and he let them go. And he questioned the astrologers, saying to them, What sign did you see about the one who has been born king? And the astrologer said, We saw, we saw a star shining with incredible brilliance amidst the constellations and making them seem dim. And so we knew that the king had been born in Israel, and we came to worship him. Now, I'm just going to make a quick note here, guys, that uh, it's really popular to believe in – I think James Cameron, of all people, made it really popular. This idea of the, um, uh, the, the, what's called the Star of Bethlehem, and the last time it appeared was in – 2017, I think it was the same year as the Revelation 12 sign, and it was the alignment of the planets. What was it? It was like Jupiter and Mars, or it was something like that. And the reason I'm saying that that is not the the star Bethlehem I am is because. They, they clearly knew back then the difference between a star and a wandering star. We see that in the Twelve Patriarchs. We see that in uh, the Epistle of Yehuda, where he compares uh, people to be a star, a wandering star. If you're a wandering star, it means you're lawless and you disobey the law of Yahuwah. Uh So they understood the difference, and it doesn't say uh, planets. It doesn't say – they had the word for planet. Uh, it doesn't say planets, it doesn't say wandering stars, it says a star. And so, uh, in today's day and age, you know, scientifically, we classify things differently. And I don't see why a comet could not have been a star. Um, I mean, we don't see comets described in scripture uh, as classified as a comet. And so, you know, this could have very well been a very, very big Bright comet going across the sky, um, or it could have been just a unique star that just came ablaze. It was a special star. It came, and they, you know, it was in the right constellation. Uh, I don't know Virgo, or I don't know what it was in. Um, and they just, they just knew this was the sign. All that to say, I don't take to the 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 planet theory that was so made so popular um, a few years ago. It was beautiful to watch if anyone saw it back in 2017, but. It happened, I think, in 2015 and then 2017. All right, where was I? Okay, and I think we'll start at verse seven. And he questioned the astrologers, saying to them, "What sign did you see uh, about the one who has been born king?" And the astrologers said, "We saw a star shining with incredible brilliance amidst the constellations and making them seem dim, and so we knew that the king had been born in Israel, and we came to worship him." And Herod said to them, go and search if you find him, report to me so that I also may come and worship him. And the wise men departed. Then the star which they had seen in the east led them and so they came to the cave and stood over the head of the child. So, that does, you know, it kind of builds the case for a planet because it is moving across the, uh, the sky, but again I'm a I'm a saying this is singular and that it is not a uh, conjection of planets. And when the astrologers saw him with his mother, Miriam, they took gifts out of their bags, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by the angel not to go into Judea, they returned to their country by another road. And fun fact, if you guys are familiar with the first book of Adam and Eve and some of the other edemic literature out there, the gold, frankincense, and myrrh, actually originated from paradise. And then it was brought into what's called the Cave of Treasures. It was called the Cave of Treasures partly because of the gold, frankincense, and myrrh there. Um, And it was prophesied in the Book of Adam and Eve that this gold, frankincense, and myrrh would end up on the ark, that it would, uh, with the bodies of Adam and Eve, (laughs) but it would end up on the ark and then be buried again under Jerusalem. And then the with the captivity of the house of Yehuda when the Babylonians came, that they would sack it uh, and they would take it to Babylon, and then the astrologers would actually bring it back. So, this gold, frankincense, and myrrh is like on this long, almost like a Forrest gump type of journey, like through history. And now they've ended up again uh, coming out of the land of Eden, out of Babylon, and now it's in the hands of Yehusha. <clears throat> Chapter 22. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the astrologers, he flew into a rage and sent his executioners, telling them to destroy all the infants that were two years old or younger. And when Mary, so there again, there's, I guess, a clue, huh, that um, they may have arrived within, within a year or two after his birth. And when Miriam heard that all the children were being destroyed, she was afraid and took the child and wrapped him up and put him in a stall of cows. So now we know why he ended up in a manger. Um it, it it it's not like, you know, we we just read, you know, they wrapped him up and they put him in a manger and it's kind of like, why would you put him in a manger? That's I get it. Like he's it's it's, it's he's humble, right? He's a suffering servant, but Um, most parents wouldn't think to put their child in a trough, especially even in the first century, that probably wasn't too common to do. But here we actually get a really awesome explanation. Like the, like, like you can see this, like in a, like a Hollywood movie, the guards are coming in to like, to actually drive a sword through the baby. And Miriam's like, I don't know what to do. And so she just finds like a little, you know, animal trough, puts him in there, put some hay over him, hope he doesn't cry and make a noise. And then it says, um, okay, she wrapped him up and put him in a stall of cows. And now Elizabeth re enters the story. And when Elizabeth heard that Johanan was being sought, her son, she took him and headed for the hills. And she looked around to find where she could hide him, but there was not any good place. She should have gone to the cave. She could have put, put, him, put him in the, the manger, manger as well. Then Elizabeth sighed. She said with a loud voice, Mountain of Elohim, take me, a mother with her child. For Elizabeth was too afraid to go up higher. And at once the mountain split open and received her. And there was light shining through the mountain to her, for an angel of Yahuwah was with them, guarding them. All right, where, do, where have we heard this before? This is something that later in his life, Yahusha will say that, you know, that, you know uh, a mountain will, you know, move for you, right? You like your faith can move mountains, and if, if this, I don't know, like if, if he's basically he's being raised, he's growing up with Elizabeth and and Miriam, and they're telling him stories about what it was like when uh, he was born, and they're rehearsing the story of a mountain that just split open for her. Uh, you could totally see how he worked that into his um, his his speech, but I wanted to pull up. Uh, I had to look long and hard for this. It turns out it's in the writings of Abraham. I thought it was in the book of the Order of the Ancients, but this is Michel Zedek literature. And in the writings of Abraham chapter 99, it says this, For Elohim had sworn unto Enoch in it, and unto his seed with an oath by himself that everyone being ordained after this order, after the order of Mishelzedek, and calling, should have power by faith to break mountains. Um, so there we have uh, there a reference to the Mishelzedek priesthood, which we know Yahushua was. And let's just throw Johann and the Baptist in there. I don't see why he would not be. A part of the Zedek priesthood, um, and where we see it, we see the mountains split open. Also,
1: a uh, kind of an interesting thing that occurred to me was that this uh, this whole situation seems to quite mirror quite nicely um, Moshe and uh, and and his whole situation there when you know he was being hidden and a lot of the uh, you know babies were being killed. Um, kind of interesting.
3: Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and he had an older sister named Miriam too.
0: All right. Uh all right. Does someone else have a comment? Okay. Chapter 23. But Herod continued seeking Yohanan. So <laughs> already like we know Yohanan's fate, John the Baptist, he's beheaded by the Herod's, uh specifically by um his uh, daughter At his daughter's request, at his wife's request, but for whatever reason, he's got it out here very early on for John the Baptist, and he sent his servants to Zachariah, Johanan's father, at the altar, saying to him, "Where did you hide your son?" But he replied, saying to them, "I am here as a servant of Elohim and am serving in his temple. How should I know where my son is?" And his servants departed and reported to him all these things. Outraged, Herod said, Is his son destined to rule Israel? And he sent his servants again, saying to them, Tell me the truth. Where is your son? Do you know that your blood is under my hand? And the servants departed and reported these things to him. And replying, Zechariah said, I am a witness of Elohim. Have my blood. Yahuwah will receive my ruach because you are shedding innocent blood at the entrance of the temple of Yahuwah. And around daybreak, Zechariah was murdered, even though the children of Israel did not know that he had been murdered. Chapter 24 Then at the hour of greeting, the priest departed, and the blessing of Zechariah did not greet them as usual. Expecting Zechariah, the priest waited to welcome him with prayer and to praise the Most High Elohim. When he failed to come, they were all afraid. So they, they think maybe Yahuwah has actually struck him down here in the Holy of Holies. One of them courageously went into the sanctuary and saw hardened blood next to the altar of Yahuwah, and heard a loud voice saying, Zechariah has been murdered, and his blood will not be wiped away until vengeance comes. When he heard these words, but he was afraid, and went out and told the priests what he had seen and heard. And gathering up their courage, they went in and saw what had happened. And as the panels of the temple cried out, they ripped the robes from the top down, And they did not find the corpse, but they found his blood, which had turned to stone. And fearing, they went out and reported to the people that Zechariah had been murdered. And all the tribes of the people heard, and they mourned, and wept for three days and three nights. Then after three days, the priests deliberated about who they should appoint to take the place of Zechariah. And the lot went to Simeon. For he was the one to whom it had been revealed by the Ruach Hakadosh that he would not see death until he saw the the Mashiach in the flesh. I uh, chapter twenty five. I Yaakov wrote this history when they were when there was unrest in Jerusalem at the time Herod died. I took myself into the desert until the unrest in Jerusalem ceased. All the while, I was glorifying Elohim who gave me the wisdom to write this history. And grace will be with all who fear Yahuwah. Amen. And thus concludes the infancy gospel of Yah.
3: So what did you guys think?
1: Excellent. That, um, I love how Rob Skiba had said it maybe a while ago. He said the biblically endorsed extra-biblical texts. And it seems like the more these things more of these extra biblical texts that we read, the more they witness to each other, like the serpent seed and a bunch of other stuff just like comes right into line. And, and just like, it's, it's crazy. Like, why would they remove it? It just, it just makes so much more sense this way. Like it doesn't make any sense the other way.
0: Yeah. There's a, another uh, book I have too. On John the Baptist, which doesn't give a lot of more insight into him, but uh, it has the same story of his father being murdered in the temple. And uh, what I, you know, what you know, what I don't get is why when Yahusha said that uh, you, there was nobody greater uh, than Johannan, and he's like, by the way, he was Elijah. You would think that that there would be a lot of literature written on that guy, but we, you know. Yeah, there's all this speculation. Did he really write the scrolls and Qumran and all that kind of stuff? We really don't know. But you would think there would be more on that guy. All right. Any other any observations anyone had? Yeah, and the serpent seed thing is interesting because at the very least, uh whether you agree that this is scripture or not, and however we want to interpret scripture uh or the definition of scripture, um at the very least we see a text that is very much on board with the Serpent Seed Doctrine, and it's really hard for me to believe that that would be a Catholic text, because uh, I don't see evidence that the Catholic Church uh, was in any way, shape, or form endorsing Serpent Seed. But the interesting thing
1: here that I also noticed was in that line that if you had these um, Sadducees and Pharisees, maybe the beginnings of the Catholic Church movement, um, like revering this Mariam character, this Mary, the the, the whole worship of Mary could eat.
3: Okay, Josh, you got cut out there. Yeah, we lost you, Josh.
0: You got cut off at the worship of Mary.
1: Oh, yeah. Sorry, guys. Uh, sometimes my headset just turns off randomly. Um, yeah, no, I, I just I can I can see very easily how if there was a movement that started to to worship Mary, it could easily be been pulled from a document like this um, or at this time, because, you know, you know, they were all they all knew her. So you could see a division happening there where people started to worship her instead of, you know. Uh, Yahusha or even Yahuwah as much, uh,
0: in my opinion. Yeah, I um, you know I really haven't done a a good study on how the I mean I, what I do know is that you know the 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 mystery religions obviously crept into what we know as the Roman Catholic Church. And they started throwing in a bunch of stuff in there uh, from like, you know, the mysteries of Isis and Tamas and all sorts of stuff. I haven't really done a study on how exactly, at what point, you know, Mary, Miriam became this uh, queen of heaven. Um, That would be, I don't know. I don't know if anyone else has looked into that. I actually have never thought to consider when that all went down. But, you know, the, the thing is with this book is that she, oh, oh, I love the story about how she's being raised in the temple. It it it, it reads off just like First Samuel, uh, with Samuel being a boy in there at the same time. And um, all these, all the customs we see in there, we see a little bit of a mix of perhaps oral tradition, of oral Jewish tradition that's starting to creep in. But we see a lot of stuff in there from Torah and the law, and that's, what i what i said last week one of the things i look for in these books uh particularly the new testament um is what is their reverence towards torah towards the law and what is their knowledge of it and it seemed to be and the writer of this book, book had a very excellent knowledge of all of that i really found the the you know the whole the whole plot line to susanna uh the book of susanna is how she's you know accused of having uh, improper sexual relations with these men, and these men accuse her of it, and they, you know, give her the test, and we see the same thing happening and how uh, Yah protects his people through that. Like, that that's written from someone who had very good knowledge of Torah. All right, guys. Well, we can keep talking about this uh, before it gets too late. I, Dave, are you, are you still... Among the living right now, are you with us? yeah, I'm here dave can you are you capable of doing a a book drawing right now? Do you have the the goods in the 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 program in front of you yep okay so can we can we do uh he just vanished, but I'm sure he's coming back. hopefully he didn't split. Hopefully we'll see him again again. before the evening comes to an end. I want to do a uh, book drawing. So as soon as he comes in, I have two books to give away tonight. I want to do this more um, often, but I have, I think Polly Hart is still with us tonight. Oh, he is. So I have a two book book bundle bundle to give away tonight. I have Uh, My Flat Earth, Why I Believe in God's God's Creation by Polly Hart, which includes some guest authors. authors. And also uh, my own book, which I haven't given away yet in all of these meetings, The Unexpected Cosmology. So it's a two-book bundle. So as soon as he, get back, he gets back in, we will I'm give that away. Here,
2: I'm just up at the top.
0: Oh, he's, I, oh, I, he's I, listening. I put my
2: screen on so you guys can see it.
3: It says Dave's right. live.
2: All right, random name. Where there it
3: is. Oh.
0: Watch po watch yeah. his own book. You can't put me in there. And you can't put Polly in there.
2: Hang, hang on, I have to turn off my ad blocker.
3: I think uh-huh. this is what we call dead radio.
0: Yes, Cher. Sure. All right, Cher. Sure. So um I'll get with you afterwards and so I will see you in I think two weeks from now, but, uh, we'll get afterwards and I'll, I'll send you some books your way. All right. Hey, wait
4: a second. Wait, 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 wait. Before you send books my way, I have Polly's book and which is it of your books? Cause I might have yours already too. Uh,
0: well this one is the unexpected cosmology. You know what I'll do? What do- I'll, it, do you have that one too? I you, you, have uh, the you, Hand of Camelot. Oh, you have the Hidden Hand of Camelot. Okay, I was gonna—I was gonna say you're—you're you're showing up to too many of my book give, giveaways because you're—you have them all. Um, so I'll—I'll I'll send you a copy of the Unexpected Cosmology. How about that?
4: Great, and yeah, and if you want to let somebody else have, you know, Polly's book. I—I I mean, I have
0: Polly's book. I've read it. It's great. It's a great book. I will save that for next I week. Okay, perfect. I'll, I'll Thank say you. That next week. All right, so hey, any other? Go ahead.
2: Yeah, I I wanted to share uh as I was looking this over in chapter 11:7 and I just dropped it in the chat. Uh it talks about uh the angels of Yahweh said not like that Miriam for the power of Elohim will cover will come over you. And then in chapter 14:5 the child, uh, for the child in her is from the Ruach Hakodesh. And we see both of those in Luke one thirty five. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost, the Ruach Hakodesh, shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. So they tied them both in there. That was good.
0: I'm trying to find the section where he talks about where he meets the midwife. Is this chapter 19? Okay. Um. Well, what did you think of this, Rob? In chapter nineteen, verse eight or verse nine, so he's meeting the midwife, and she's asking, "Who is you know who is this woman?" And uh, and Joseph responds, "She is not my wife, but has a fetus from the Ruach Hakodesh." Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying, right? So, yeah. yeah so it's it. You know, we've been having this discussion in here, and I, the room is probably divided on this. But, you know, as you guys know, that I have crossed the threshold and um, come to the position that the Ruach HaKadesh is feminine. Um, hopefully, that won't be a deal breaker for some people. I'm not pushing that, you know, forcing that on people, but it's the conclusion I have come to. And it is really interesting right here because it says the fetus from the Ruach Kakadesh. It doesn't say the fetus from the father, because that would be a little weird. Uh, but it's attributing the Ruach HaKadosh to being the, uh, you know, um, part of the, I guess, the mother really here. So the mother of Yahusha.
2: Yeah, yeah. I refer to it as the feminine aspect. But yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, guys- hey.
4: It-
1: oh, sorry. sorry go sorry. ahead.
4: Hey, it's Lisa. Um, I'm, it didn't, weren't they, quote unquote, betrothed? Didn't that still almost count as like. Wouldn't he still call her his wife?
0: Well, that's a good question, isn't it? I mean, we were discussing that earlier because in, I'm not sure what point you jumped in. I was late, sorry. (laughs) Okay, well, so when they find out that, so Yosef, he goes, so, okay, as a quick recap, Miriam is living in the temple uh, in Jerusalem and she's about twelve years old, and the priests there—they—they they raised her from the time she was, I think, three. And they're saying, "Okay, she's becoming a woman now, and the Torah states that if you know she has her period, she will be unclean, and so we can't have that in the temple. So we need to do something with her." So they draw okay. some lots, and and Yosef he doesn't want to take her as a wife, but he really doesn't. Like he's an old man, he's like, "What am I going to do with her? I'm not really interested in another wife." And the high priest pressure him be like, hey, if you don't do this, you're going to be like, uh, you know, Korah's rebellion. You're rebelling it's yeah, You need to take her. So he takes her. He's like, okay. So then we see – so she's 12 years old. And then there's some sort of time jump because she doesn't become pregnant, it says, until she's 16 years old. So four years have gone by. And it says Yosef went off to work building houses. Like he left. Like she's she's – home alone with his uh probably his sons and uh his servants um or whoever and um so there's been four years that have gone by that she has apparently been betrothed and yeah he hasn't he hasn't fulfilled those um i don't know those vows whatever those rights whatever so when she is now being so yosef's i guess boss or whatever Anis the this elder, he runs off as soon as he sees her because Yosef's trying to keep her uh, hidden. He tells the high priest, and they bring him in. And then I'm trying to find here. They they accuse him of of her marriage rights, which I, oh, wedding okay. Uh, the. It says in verse fifteen, the virgin which Yosef received from the temple of Yahuwah, he defiled her and has stolen her wedding festivities and has not revealed it to the children of Israel, so we were kind of discussing this because nowhere in Torah does it talk about wedding festivities, and you have the you you have uh Samson uh getting married with a seven day feast, uh but then you have um Rebekah and Isaac, you know they kind of just meet outside the tent and go into the tent together so um yeah i guess what whatever's happening here she's betrothed to him but he, he never threw uh i don't know i don't know what this looked like was it a pet uh public uh party you know what this a seven-day feast i i don't know but um so he obviously um has never fallen followed through to a point where they say you know she should be pregnant in the first place. I don't know if I answered your question, but... Yeah, I think...
2: I, I, think I, I think that this is part of, like, the, the Hebrew wedding ceremony type of deal that uh, we, we've we we've learned about. I think that's kind of what it's referencing to, these festivities. Because he, he referenced here, he won her in the lotto <laughs> to be his wife, but she's not my wife yet, because they have not done the festivities, uh, so to speak, is what I put.
4: Now, do you think that... that- I guess I'm just having a little hard time with that story lining up with what is recorded
0: in Luke, I guess. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, You mean, you mean on the fact that she was, Luke says that she was betrothed or what's the, what's the, what's the disconnect?
3: Just
4: so I understand.
3: All right. I want to wait for a
4: second. Um, um, I mean, uh, I'd have to go back and get into the details again because I don't have it memorized, but um they're betrothed, and you know how the angel appeared to her, and then um you know he you know he he thought she'd surround or whatever, and it's like, you know you don't have to worry about you know taking her as your wife, so seems like the idea was they you know was, was always that they were gonna be married. And it yeah. wasn't a question. It wasn't a question for him whether he was going to marry her. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it was the age thing. Yeah, and, well, did, and, I, and I'm sorry, I missed your the beginning part. So you don't have to keep. No, it's okay. on my behalf, I appreciate it though.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, there was an interesting scene when he comes in. I'm trying to, have to go find that now, and he finds out that she's pregnant. Okay, so in Chapter 13, it's, he, he doesn't find out she's pregnant until her sixth month of pregnancy. So she went off, I think, for three of those months with Elizabeth. Yeah. And now she's coming back, and he was off working. He comes back. He sees her. She's clearly pregnant. And the fir- his first response, interestingly enough, is that he blames himself. He says, how can I look to Yahuwah Elohim? What will I pray about her? For I took her as a virgin from the temple of Yahuwah and did not guard her. Who has set this trap for me? So, and he says, who did this evil in my house? Who stole the virgin from me and defiled her? So um, he's, he, he's kind of placing on himself that, like, I, I, maybe he was delaying it. I don't know. I, I don't know what's going on here that it took so long that there's a oh. this four-year gap. Go ahead. You yeah. look like you want to jump in, Rob.
2: Yeah, what I understand is that when there's a betrothal the the groom goes away or or sets his time aside to build their home her home to really? live in so he's going out doing that that's you know that's what that's what the way I read it and what he's doing is getting getting a house prepared uh, that's why he said hey I'm too old for this I don't you know want, need to go through this whole whole deal so he's he's going out now building a building a home for his new you know to be bride and then he comes back and sees her pregnant so in his shock it's like you know that's why he 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 reacts that way that's that's at least the way i understand it hope that helps and then once he has it built and ready you know then then the tradition is the the father of the groom is the one who says okay wedding time and the festivities start and all that stuff
0: now that we have solved that mystery <laughs> perhaps Anybody else? Um, yeah. Can you guys hear me?
1: Yep. yep. Okay. Perfect. Um, uh, I was just thinking about what you said there, Noel, about the, the Ruach HaKadosh being um, uh, feminine. And I noticed in – I just remembered in one of the verses here it said, um, uh, And the midwife departed from the cave and met Salome and said to her, Salome, Salome, I have to describe this miracle for you. A virgin has given birth, although her body does not allow it, um, and and the whole birthing scene is is strange because it's like they're all just sitting there like stunned, and then all of a sudden just snap the baby appears, like the you know the the has gone and the infant in the infant is there, so I, I'm wondering if 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 it was like a lot more, if it wasn't even a physical birth, like a an actual physical birth, like it was like he like. You know, he like did a I don't know what reference you can do, but he like phased through <laughs> phased through Miriam's body <laughs> to the open, and he's just like pa pa, here I am. Yeah,
2: yeah. You do get that impression that it's not a uh, vaginal birth; it just it just happens. Yeah, yeah.
1: Because if like, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I don't know. It, I don't know much about the feminine physiology, but as far as I know, you give birth that kind of kind of ruins things, right? It kind of just if you were a virgin yeah. before, you aren't a virgin after you've given – if you had the ability to become – to stay a virgin and give birth, that would probably break the whole virgin thing.
0: Right, right. right. And that does seem to – that. that's a really great observation. I'm glad you brought it up. That does seem to appear to be a miracle what they are saying happened here. And um we read some weeks ago in the writings of Abraham that – um the, there's two circumcision processes. Uh, one is for men, and we don't need to recap what that is because every man knows what that is. Uh, but there is also a circumcision process for women, according to the writings of Abraham, and that is uh, it starts on her wedding night, and it, the circumcision is completed when the, when the child is born. Uh, when it passes through the Matrix. And uh, Rob, you'll know what I'm talking about. I wish I had it in front of me. We did go over this a few weeks ago or several you know. weeks ago. And so it's interesting. And again, I, I, so it appears like, yeah, that she has not, uh, I guess what you say, um, that
3: lost you. Yeah we, yeah, we lost you, Noel.
0: Um,
1: has Noel been. And we see, uh, oh, he's back.
0: Well, I, I was just going to add that, you know, again, we see this, we've seen this before with um, other births in extra biblical literature, like uh, with the birth of Noah, where he actually comes out and like he's literally stinging uh praises to Yahuwah, and that's according to like uh the uh, ending of uh Enoch and Abraham and other books like that. So I I, I don't know like it I've, I I read enough of these things that I just it's like it just make, seems makes sense to me. Like I don't I I don't see that it's that far fetched. But I know that that's going to be a deal breaker for some.
4: Well, oh, for just if I just throw my two cents in, um, and I, I haven't so. looked into it as in depth as you probably have, but just what I've heard people talk about it before, the word Ruach is word is feminine, so or has the thing is words have gender. People don't have gender really. I mean, they have sex, right? And but Yah is not a people. I mean, he's Yah and. He is the spirit. The Holy Spirit is Yah. Sure, I think he's all-encompassing all aspects, of course, because he made us, male and female, in his image. I think there's something to be said about this idea of this quote-unquote feminine side, if you want to say it that way. I wouldn't say that his spirit is feminine it's just me yeah, especially my, yeah. when you're when you're reading this and it's saying you know the fetus was from the ruakakada i mean so that literally um implantation of the embodiment the seed the every you know the body is there's a verse somewhere i forget where it is is the body from heaven you know His created a body straight from heaven and placed it in her womb in a sense
0: so um my two no, I, no, I appreciate your two cents. And I, I, this is something that uh, I, if you know my journey, Lisa, I, you know, I, the, the the feminine Ruach is something that I was obviously first introduced to a few years back. Um, it's particularly probably back in 2017 when Zen first started. He'd already come out about it before that, but I think he really started pushing it in some of his teachings, and it became kind of a big talking point within the community. I was not tour observant at this time mm. um you and you you know you were one of the first couple tour observant people I ever met. I didn't even know that was a thing and uh at the conference in Raleigh and oh. uh, so it was it was kind of on the my back burner it was something like okay well i I, I don't really know. Uh, i i kind of think there're three dudes in heaven and uh you know i'll i'll kind of put on the back burner and i'll i'll get to it one day and then i kind of had different thoughts on what the ruach was and so on and so forth but in in more recent months as i've been looking more and more into it i have been surrendering to the surrendering to the idea that uh the ruach HaKadosh is is feminine and there are uh, we we should have a discussion on this one night and again it's Um, everyone has their own... uh, I I like it when people have different opinions, and hopefully you guys know this about me, that I, I really actually do like to be in the company of people with different opinions because I have changed my opinion on things so many times. Anyone who has followed my work... For, this is why uh, I, I get people, they come onto my website and they're like, oh no, I just discovered you. and This is amazing. And they're like, they'll binge read my stuff for like five days and they won't sleep. And then they they read something they don't like and they like leave and they, I never hear from them again. And it, it might, as I continue to learn new things, I have to readjust my position and um, and change it. It's a painful thing to do, but I enjoy having people with different opinions that disagree with me because when I am proven wrong on something or um, yeah, I, I decide that I am in error, I then have a fallback position. I have people go, wow, okay, they believe this over here, and this seems more accurate now, and I have that to fall back on. So I appreciate everyone with different viewpoints. Um, the, the, the the idea of the lock is something, obviously I'm not, I don't have notes in front of me, nor am I prepared to talk about it, but um, the the one that really got to me was I think it's Proverbs eight. That was a really great chapter, which recounts the the creation event of the Ruach Hakadosh going over the waters, but speaking from a very feminine perspective. And then also in Sirach, where you the the the, the Ruach Hakadosh actually refers to herself as a mother. So now you have some serious verb con- uh, uh, sex confusion. If um if now, you know, you have, okay, you say, oh, well, the, it, the, the, it, it's, all, it's all feminine in Hebrew. Uh, but now it's like, well, why is, why is all referring to himself as a mother at this point? Um, so anyways, that, that's kind of just where I'm at right now. And um, it's, it, it, it's become pretty explosive recently, just to kind of surrender over to that and just see all these texts that seem to, to paint a picture that I didn't see before. So I'm being a little abstract right now, but I have some stuff in the works uh, on the pipeline that I expect to release. Also, Zen just got to me before before we had this went live, and he said that any day now, any day, he's going to have for me his article on the feminine Holy Spirit, which he has been talking to, about on his videos and his newsletters. And the reason it's been delayed is because it became so epic. Apparently, he says it's like in seven par- several parts now. He's like, you're gonna have to release this in several parts. So I'm like, sweet. I get like a whole book from Zen that I get a release on my website. So I'm really looking forward to that and seeing what his conclusions are. So I think, Rob, you were gonna say something.
2: But- yeah, I really, I do hope Zen uh, produces some stuff here that we haven't read. I mean, I've been, I've been researching this one. For a while now, and and I know a lot of people will bring up the ruach as a feminine word, but I, take that completely out of the picture of the, the word um, uh, gender, and you just look up the context of Proverbs 8, Sirach, Wisdom of Solomon, um, and in multiple scriptures throughout, uh, you will see that it becomes, it, it, it's like when you search for it and, and pull it in the context, it's pretty clear um what it's what it's describing uh with with the Ruach, and the fear of that is that people will will one up uh tie into Catholicism with the worship of Mary and the occult and all of that stuff, but we see that in many other aspects that you know uh, the those of us seeking truth will will uncover and look and see that these other aspects are in the occult or in the other areas but we have to look for the truth of what the scriptures say and not be afraid not 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 uh shun shun it just because it's uh the enemy's using it for whatever so oh. th- that's my that's my quick spiel on it without going into detail of scriptures Well yeah, i was going
4: to say i appreciate those scripture references and i look forward to what zen puts out because I, as zen? i said i hadn't really looked into it you know besides much, the scripture so that's And people's
3: writings, what's people's experience? What do you mean? Your personal experience.
4: I think what what you're getting at is the idea that um, the Ruach is called our comforter, right? Which is, you know, a feminine kind of idea. Um,
0: Yeah, um, you know, you know what was really helpful for me is, uh, and Rob brought up the the mystery religions, right? Now, I have completely, I've really reversed a lot of my positions, and and uh, Lisa, maybe you've seen this journey I was on, where I published a book called Worthless Mysteries, and it was basically just a volume of my writings and stuff from the website that I was trying to get out to people, and the uh, the, the, the phrase, Worthless Mysteries, it confused a lot of people, but it actually comes from the Book of Enoch, in which uh, y- Yahuwah tells, the, the Watchers, after corrupting humanity, they it says they can no longer uh, look up to heaven. And we see that phrase throughout scripture. It's kind of interesting. And they go to Enoch and they're like, can you uh, speak on our behalf? Which is a very messianic thing to do. Um, and to be the intercessor. So Enoch goes to be the intercessor for the Watchers, and Yahuwah says, tell them that, um, they, that you revealed all the mysteries of heaven, but they were worthless ones. And I love that. And it's taken me a long time to really understand that because the Watchers, which they created the mystery, the mystery, uh, the mystery schools, the mystery religions all over the world, they, um, they did indeed... Give the mysteries of heaven. But the, the fullness of this comes in Psalm 82, where Yahuwah is he's bringing his court in heaven, he's setting up the chairs, he's um, he's now speaking to these Elohim who rule over humanity. We, we read that uh, there were 70 of them, we see that in different texts, in the Aramaic Targum it says that there were 70 of them at Babel, um, and then we see the 70 shepherds elsewhere. And he says, look, uh, you're you're not giving people the Torah. You're not leading them in in righteousness, and because of that, you're going to die like men. I'm going to destroy you. And so the Elohim who are ruling over the earth are indeed giving mysteries of heaven, but it's per- it is perverted. It's corrupted, especially since they're not interested in uh, instructions of righteousness. And you could look around the world and see that for yourself. So all that to say, um. There are a lot of things in the occult uh, and things like that, that 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 are perverted truths that we see. And one of the the axioms of the occult that we all know uh, is as above, so below. And we see that in like the tarot cards and all sorts of stuff. Well, we actually see Yahushua saying something very similar. Like we're supposed to pray on earth as it is in heaven. We want we are longing for the day when the events here on earth reflect what is in heaven. And we want that. Well, that. So going back to the feminine uh, ruach, we we see. We should hope to see um, the family unit modeled in heaven, as we see in the garden. For example, we know that uh, Yahusha, the Word, created Adam and the garden. Um, I don't know if we know that, but that's my belief. Uh, according to the Targum. That's what it says, the Aramaic Targum. And so we have Adam being created, and from Adam comes Hava. And then from Adam and Hava together comes Cain and Abel and their daughters. And so it's kind of strange if we don't see that same family model in heaven. Like we see three dudes up there, or some, you know, there's different beliefs in the Torah. Some will say the father is the son. I obviously don't hold to that. Others will say that the, the Ruach uh proceeds from the father but he's just like the spirit of the father of yah I did kind of entertain that for a long time um because you know I wasn't a trinitarian uh but it would make sense to me that you would have the father um and I know this causes some people to cringe but I'll say it anyways the father the mother and the son you see a family unit in heaven and again and Rob has talked about this with me it you, you, you see then you see Yahusha say the one unforgivable sin, the one unforgivable sin is uh, blasphemy of the spirit, of of the ruach hakodesh. Well, what is blasphemy? It's being held in contempt of court. So you can see this in a family environment. If you if you um, if you want to go, uh, if a guy wants to go piss off another guy, you go to the basketball court and you get in a fight. Uh, you know, at ten minutes later, you could shake it off and be friends again. That happens all the time. Um, but if you really want to upset a guy, you go and slander his wife. You know, you go talk about, you say his wife is a whore or something like that. You do that, like you are going to receive the wrath of that husband. Your your friendship's over. You know, you could. So basically, what Yehusha is saying is, look, you can you can you can be in contempt with the father. You can be in contempt with the son. We can forgive that, but you mess with things. You mess with the Ruach HaKodesh, like. He, he's, you know, he, he's done with you, and and so you connect that with the proverbs, uh, where he, where the ruach is saying that, um, you know, that the uh, the the beginning of knowledge is fear of Yahuwah, right? The beginning of wisdom is fear of Yahuwah. Well, who is wisdom? It's one of the seven spirits that proceed from the Father. And this, that's the set apart spirit, the the holy, uh, the holy spirit. The ruach HaKodesh is wisdom, the spirit that proceeds, um, and. To, so they're saying in order to get I, wisdom, you have to go to the father first, right? Like he's not gonna just hand her over to you. You've gotta you've gotta, you know, earn that trust with the father and you're not gonna go slander her. So I, I can't, can't think, think of, of something that's more blasphemous or in contempt of court than like you see, like with the charismatic movement out there where they're just falling on their butt, you know, pretending that the Ruach, the Ruach is drunk and, you know, blabbing through them. Can um, I can I just a-
5: say something about this?
0: Yeah, please jump in. I I was just finishing my point. Go ahead.
5: Uh, yeah, you mentioned about the um, the father and the mother and the child, right? As yeah. being a family, and um, I just want to say, you know, I've had this thought of Yahua. You know, creates life through the spirit, right? Um, through the nostrils and gives life, right? Well, the mother, I've always thought like mother nature and mother nature helps sustain life by providing water and, uh, and, and natural resources, and, um, and then obviously the child uh, is Yeshua. But I, I just wanted to say that because that's, that was on my mind whenever you mentioned it.
0: Yeah, so this is going with the themes of what I'm finding. You, you mentioned Mother Earth, and I want to be very clear here to di- differentiate between Mother Earth Ruach Akkash not to confuse the two and I've written uh, and I have an article that is published called the earth is a womb where um, you actually point to all the scripture that we, we can see like in Jubilee's and Enoch where it talks about uh like lightning and, and thunder and hail and snow and rain and all uh, right not rain but clouds all these different things are, are are ruach run like we see that the Sun and the moon is right is is Ruach you know that there's like maybe like seven of them each that's irrelevant but we, we see all these the conscious nature um, interestingly enough I have yet to ever see a scripture verse that talks about trees being conscious and that's just a, I actually find that a little surprising because of all the tree worship all over the world um, you would think there'd be some legitimacy to that but um the, the we see passages where the earth uh, is conscious, there's a conscious earth, a, 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 in the feminine a, a, a feminine earth um, that uh, will uh, sometimes like we, we see like the earth refused to bury Abel, like we're not gonna um, it actually kept vomiting Abel we've seen that in multiple texts uh, because the earth refused until Adam was uh, buried first um, in the Aramaic Targum you actually see an argument happening between the earth and the sea while the Israelites are crossing it. And so there's this idea that the, the earth is a womb. We see that in 2nd Ezra. It actually says in 2nd Ezra, the earth is a womb. And that makes total sense when you understand the firmament that we are actually in, encased right this moment. You have two, everyone is born twice. Uh, and if you're righteous and set apart, the hope is that you will only die once, right? You're not going to receive the second death. You'll receive eternal life. But everyone right now is in a womb. We're literally in a matrix. And we're waiting to um, to be born again by spirit, by Ruach, ascend beyond the firmament, or hopefully, you know, eventually heaven will come down to us. But hopefully that makes sense to everyone. So... Getting back to the feminine ruach, in uh, I think it's I don't want to misquote it, but I think it's Proverbs eight. I don't have the notes in front of me where it's recounting the Genesis one account of the of the ruach Hakadosh going over the, the 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 waters, the the face of the waters, kind of fru- uh, brewing it, fermenting it, getting ready for life to come about. So you actually see like uh, the the the, the, the the feminine, the mother, is preparing for all the spirits to come to be born, and um, and you see that in Proverbs eight, where she's recounting this in in anticipation of all her children, um, of all the life that's to come about. So I, again, you see that that whole relationship there of the of the mother, which is not to be confused with the earth. Like I, I'm not advocating that they're the same thing
5: at all. Absolutely, I totally agree.
0: Yeah.
4: Make some really good points. Um uh, uh, something definitely to look into and I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, thank you for uh for not uh wringing my neck, Lisa.
4: For <laughs> never, never, never.
0: Yeah, uh I appreciate everyone um and when we could, you know, just have different uh, opinions about things. I, you know, I stress with everybody that I'm just some guy. I'm, you know, I started. Uh, I'll say this again. I started the unexpected cosmology. What used to be uh, Lisa will remember. Some people here will remember that it used to be called Our Way is the Highway, um, which is people would come to me and it'd be like it accuse me of being like, you know, what what is this? The highway to hell? You know, I thought we were supposed to be on the narrow path. It's like no, 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 no. I point to numbers where. Uh, you know, our way is the highway. We're just passing through the land of Edom, trying to get to the promised land. Uh, very few people picked up on that, but back then, I just I started the website it was it was a blog, uh, just because I entered into the Truther movement. And as everybody here knows, that when you discover truth, like you just eat, sleep, poop. You know, truth. Like you're just you're trying to find out everything you can about you know vaccines and reptilians and chemtrails and you know agenda twenty thirty <laughs> and all this kind of just it's all pouring in all this stuff and you know you find out about the FEMA camps and and um, all you know Antarctica and all this stuff and I I got like two years into it and I realized oh my goodness like I didn't take any notes I have nothing to show for all this I can't refer back so I just started the website writing this stuff just to show what I was learning and just kind of invite other people along. So I don't, I, I'm just some dude. I'm just like you guys. I'm just researching this stuff. And um, I appreciate when everybody can come on. And, um, you know, my, my one standard in this, uh, that I ask for fellowship with brothers and sisters to be a brother or sister is that you agree that Revelation fourteen twelve. We want to keep the Father's laws, that that is the standard of truth and sin, uh, transgressing the laws is sin. And uh, Yahushua HaMashiach is the Son of the Word, our Messiah, and, you know, keep to his testimony, which is, his testimony was to keep the Father's commands. Um, and, and I love it when we, dis- we can disagree and still um, be in a community and um, and hopefully learn from each other. So I uh, just want everyone to know I am I am not the authority on truth here. I'm just I'm just like I'm just figuring this stuff out. So
4: I so regret not um, recording my journey of, of learning. You know, you said taking notes or whatever because it, yeah, it's just such a flood. And yeah, <clears throat> I know. Be- great to see the dirt, you know, see, you know, when did I, did I learn that first? Did I learned that, you know, what did I get? Or what did I change? And all of that. It's yeah, I really probably should still start doing it. Because it's not like we're not we're done learning.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, and I, I wish I had those notes very early on, too. And if you look at my earliest stuff, it's pretty painful. Because like, nowadays, I just write with confidence, you know, I'm just like, I just, you know, like, I'll get in, like, I hopefully people enjoy my, uh, my arguments i get in with myself in my my papers i'm always arguing with somebody um but like in my earliest stuff i'd come out and be like uh guys i think the earth is flat you know like it's like there was like no there was like no authority in it it's like i, I didn't know how to say this stuff and um so it took a long time to build that confidence to just you know to speak the stuff and be okay with you know people disagreeing with me and that kind of stuff so should just go hey, no. back
4: like um Seven years into my YouTube history, and all the path of the videos I watched.
5: <laughs> and oh, many they've, they've got. They've got that. <laughs> <laughs> you can just ask for it. <laughs> you see how many are deleted in your history of like your liked videos? <laughs> you
3: happen to have done that? It's like this video is no longer there. Uh, Noah, what was that you were hinting about? Right. Maybe sharing next week something you would.
0: Um, yeah, so uh, we've we've had a bit of a diversion of plans because uh, this yeah. afternoon. Uh, so what I here's what I was going to share. Uh, I, have I have two, two new articles. One I have finished, and uh, and another I'm working on, partly with the help of Rob, who is an amazing researcher. Um, two um, mud flood topical papers that, that specifically deal with the millennial kingdom as something that I speculate may have. And it's a, you know, I just, again, I'm not throwing all my eggs in that basket. I'm just looking into the stuff that it may have physically happened, and that we are re- living in Revelation 20. And so the first one is showing, a te- I don't even want to give it away yet because it's like, you know, it's like I've got this and nobody else knows about this, but it's a a text that is attributed to Enoch that talks about uh, the the what happened to the beast government during the millennial kingdom and how it comes back. So it's really fascinating and it it is right on par with everything we've learned about so far about the mud flood. It's it's like boom, it's in your face. And then I've got another one I'm working on. Uh, thanks to a lot of Rob's research on. Uh, what was happening during the millennial reign with the bad guys, like where they were and where right. they were still living in uh, in the wilderness and so on. And it actually has expanded into this big study on the seraphim and, uh, you know, these serpentine creatures uh, that, you know, seraph and seraphim. The seraphim is, he is for serpents. And then seraphim is, you know, that the serpentine angels. Um And some really interesting stuff, and I connect it to dragons and other stuff and the esoteric and how, you know, Satan is seraphim and a dragon and all that. Um, But it's going to be really interesting. I have diverted on those. I'm delaying those only because to this afternoon… I got in this amazing two-hour phone conversation with Rick Hummer, and I, I, I love Rick Hummer. But once that guy gets talking, uh, I don't mean but, but and when he gets talking, like I can't get a word in for like forty-five minutes or something like. So he just talks. He's very passionate, and he was just melting my brain today. I mean, he was like, because Rick Hummer is, uh, he's right on board with me. He believes the Millennial Kingdom was physical, literally happens. That's what we call Tartaria. And you know that's what he and I are looking into. And he was saying stuff. I, I don't even want to give it away because he was saying stuff like theorizing on how the mud flood happened, how it ties into Genesis chapter one, how it ties into the firmament, the water around us. All like he like he was just melting my brain. And at the end of it, after like two hours of like drooling while he talked, I'm like, uh, Rick, have you ta- have you talked to anything to anybody about any of this before? He's like, No, dude. Like this is all like no, like no, and then like. Uh, can you come on and like we can record this? And he's like, Yeah, let's do that. And so we're gonna hopefully y'all willing, he will be able to come on next Thursday night at uh nine PM and I'm just gonna hand it over to him and he's gonna like talk about stuff that um it's like it's like everything like it's flat earth, it's um it's mud flood, it's prophecy, like everything combined with like like fun science lessons and um it's it's really awesome. So it's gonna be good so hey, all hey, that, you know, go ahead
2: yeah no i wanted to ask about that it, uh can we when, when rick's on and, and not to like interrupt him but he can go on 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 his continuous talk could we uh, like collect questions is there a way to collect questions like a certain room we can drop questions in and then this way we can go back and then ask him those as you know once he's done speaking on his thoughts
0: yeah, absolutely. You can just we'll just drop him in the general voice chat. And um, I, I bet he wouldn't even mind if someone just jumped in and asked a question. Um, but yeah, and then we could just go over through the general voice chat afterwards and kind of go over things that he hasn't addressed. So we'll there we'll try, a, oh.
1: Sorry, there is a new feature um, in Discord, I think. It's like uh, you can you can start like... Um, I'll have to look into it and maybe I'll send it to you. But you can start like a thread and then it that thread will expire so it it may be possible for us to actually start a thread if he's going to join next week that that would be questions and then they would pop up in that thread and then the thread would be gone maybe someone else can confirm who's uses
2: oh yeah yeah either we could do that where it deletes or we just create a another room to drop those in like a question room only you know just just for questions that way there's no posting of you know memes and all this other stuff in there that's all.
1: Okay. Yeah, all there, right. there well, is a live Q and A. Post your Q A live uh, currently, so we could we could maybe utilize that channel.
0: Yeah, that'd be good. All right, meeting okay. is adjourned. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm glad the committee agreed on this. Um, would somebody like to close in prayer? Anybody? Sure, I can. Thank you,
2: Father. We thank you for this time that we have together, exploring your words and uh, seeking out. Wisdom and truth uh, and doing it so meekly and humbly, Father, that we, we just want to know we just want to know your ways, and we want to know the histories and, and understand, so that we can live with uh, boldness and not be shaken and, and be able to be a light in this world. Father, we just ask that the rock be upon us. That uh, we have a great, wonderful evening and a spirit-filled day tomorrow, and sharing your truth with others, and walking in your truth, and uh, may that may they see and experience the love of you through us. We ask this in your name.
0: All right, everyone. I will see you all throughout the week, hopefully, on the Discord channel, in the chat. Uh, we've had some great conversations this week, and uh, hopefully it will continue. Really quickly before everyone goes, last announcement, baptism in, I think, two weeks. We're coming Definitely. up on it. And so anyone who has made it this far in the recording, we've got... Uh, we are teaming up with Parable of the Vineyard for the second year in the row. Uh, I've got four people. We've got the whole East Coast covered. Cosmology is I've got the I've got the market on the East Coast. So I got Dave Courier up in New Hampshire. I got Polly Hart in Savannah, Georgia. I will be in Tampa with Michael, Rob, Cher. I'm not sure if anyone else in this room will be there. Um, forgive me if you're if I miss you. And then we got Hank in Seattle, Washington. So. Uh, you can get in contact with us on the Discord chat. Um, you can go to my website. You can find the, the baptismal page there. We have our emails, phone numbers, um, and we'll hook you up and, and uh, baptize you on August, August 14th. It's a Sabbath. So all with that, um, shalom, everyone, and I will see you next week.
3: Shalom.
1: Thanks, everybody.